Professor Yvonne Kafik. We may be joined this morning by Professor Vic Murray. Uh, he's also in Victoria, Bruce, and uh, may not realize that uh, it's on Central Time. So I know you're up off a little bit early and we're all in different time zones. I know we have Colleen. Colleen, are you coming in from Ireland? I'm actually in Rochester, New York, um, so it's oh. 11 o'clock here. Okay, okay. Well, oftentimes we have uh, Irish uh, uh, charities that join us, and they're six hours ahead of me, so people of different time zones. So, uh, welcome everybody. Um, I the the agenda today is fairly packed, and um, we're going to address uh, through this uh, webinar a number of questions from what is board effectiveness in the fundraising role? Why is it important that boards be effective in this role? How effective are they? What issues challenge boards uh, in this uh, role? What, why do they happen or occur? What can be done about them? And how have boards changed in response um, to those issues? Um, in assessments of fundraising effectiveness. So I'm we're drawing from two sources here. So part of the structure of this comes out of uh, Vic and uh, my book, The Guidelines for Improving the Effectiveness of Boards of Directors. That book was written to support use of the board checkup. And so the issues... Um, it, the book is structured around the nine dimensions. One of them is fundraising, and that's what we're focusing on today. But what the, what the book the book doesn't do is bring in the research or the empirical data from those assessments. And I'm bringing that in today to sort of illuminate this and um, give you some idea of what um, if you have these challenges, what you can do to improve effectiveness and why that's so important. Did anybody come in here today with any specific um, questions that they wanted to um, address today? I'll just surface that now just so I can be aware and, and maybe um, try to highlight that. Okay, well, if not, you can just pause or ask questions at any time. So, you know, what, what is board effectiveness um, in the fundraising and resource development role? And really just the board, just in a brief summary, being clear about what its role is in fundraising and resource development for the organization, um, that the organization satisfied, the board satisfied with the board's role in meeting its responsibilities that relate to that. And then at the um, individual level, board members themselves, directors understand their role within this context. They feel confident or capable um, and comfortable in the role. So those are just some indicators of board effectiveness in the area. So let's talk about why this is important. And so when we think about governance and we think about the board's fiduciary role, we know that that role, the, one of the roles of boards is stewardship of assets, ensuring the organization advances its purpose 
it's compliant with rules and regulations and has enough resources um, to advance its purpose and direction. So I've highlighted and bolded has enough resources. And from, you know, there are different theoretical perspectives on, on the role of boards. And um, some of the assumptions are that from the resource dependency perspective, organizations depend on, uh-oh, hang on a second. Um, I don't know what happened, I don't know what happened there. Um, moment. Organizations depend on external resources and the role of boards is to reduce resource uncertainty. Another role of boards in that is to span or the boundaries of the organization to reduce that uncertainty and be a broker in accessing resources from the external environment. So that's one theoretical perspective on the role of boards. There are many theories that explain different um, uh, functions uh, within the governance and different uh, leadership roles of boards, but this relates specifically to fundraising. There's been a lot of research on, on fundraising effectiveness, success, and what are the determinants of fundraising um, effectiveness. And you do see on in this table some of the studies, but the board plays a role. It brings capability to the organization, and that is has been associated with effectiveness. So the more capability the organization has, and these are some of the determinants, the more effective or successful it is in fundraising. Other empirical research shows that it does, fundraising capability does contribute significantly to net revenue from fundraising and donations. We have analyzed, Vic and I, and we will have a chapter coming out um, forthcoming in the new nonprofit management um, textbook in Canada. It's going to be published this year that a change in the board's fundraising capability is associated significantly and positively with the board's impact on financial health of the organization. So we know we know that change in this area is having making a difference. But there's a big problem. Of all the dimensions of effectiveness assessed in, in the board checkup, Fundraising effectiveness is the most problematic for boards. It rates number one in issues that challenge the board. So there's more, more um, challenges in this area than any other area assessed. Um, here's just some, some, uh, and we can we'll get your perspective in a minute, but here's just some comments that we receive from boards. Here's one board experience. We talked about the board's role um, in the area of fundraising. For example, we are losing fees and whether the board, this is a question, could help determine whether some of our clients are no longer wanting um, them. Uh, we did well during our 10th anniversary, um, but stumbling this year with disagreement in regards to what is 
the board's responsibility. Some want the organization to pay donor cultivation event. I believe board members should organize their own cocktail parties and other events in order to cultivate donors and educate friends and family on what we do and stand for. Um, it may be an Irish thing, but the board doesn't see itself as having a role in fundraising. Funding is not a feature of our charity and the board is not really involved in resource development. So there's all kinds of different um, experiences. So I wanted to just pause for a moment and find out what, from your perspective, what, what are you hearing in this area? What are some, are there challenges from your perspective and what are, what are they? So just feel free to unmute. I think our board has difficulty. Um, our, um, I work at the at Chiropractic College in Toronto. So student fees are our biggest income. We have had a membership program way back from when we started in 1945. And the, um, the profession itself supported the creation of a school to ensure that the profession continued. And as the years went on, membership reduced and reduced. And we are this year changing our membership program, which is way reduced to what it was in the beginning, to an annual giving program and then allowing all levels of, of um, donation um, and, and then other ways of, of uh, giving to the institution. But we're, we're different because it's not something earth shattering like raising um, um, money for health care or health concerns. It's not, we're not Cancer Canada. So it's not a sexy thing. And while you would like to, and, and we're trying to um, increase the income um, from other areas than tuition, but obviously tuition is going to be the biggest income. So I guess my sort of interest in this totally is to help our board members because they don't feel they're able to do very much, although we have a run every year. Mm. And they do go to the people they know and ask for support in the 40 to $100 range. Uh, and among them raise $35,000, $40,000. So they do that every year. But for other things, they just don't seem somehow to think, I, I, I think it may be you don't want to approach your patients if you're a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just open to hear any way of helping them to see things because we have a fundraising division as well. We don't right. need them so much to raise the funds. We need them to tell us who has the funds who is a good chiropractic patient, for example, and might give us some money. Right, right. Okay, excellent example. Excellent example. Any others? I really like that. I would say in my experience um, with one of the um, organizations I work with, there's a tension between the revenue stream, like bringing, bringing a new revenue stream. We run a camp and we're taking donations, but we also uh, rent out the space. And there's a tension between trying to 
get too much money out of the people who are already donors and then asking them to rent. And so there's a little tension in the resource development um, area that we're working through. And some of the other charities that I work with, it's just one letter a year. That's our fundraising plan, the end. So those are the things I've noticed. Okay. Others, that's a good one. Bruce. Yeah, members on our board are asked to provide uh, connections and the mm -hmm. fundraisers and then talk to them, but it's, they were not asked to fundraise directly and ask for the money. It's just to get some excitement about the organization and make introductions. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, those are, those are really good examples. Um, in, in the checkup, um, in the assessment of this, so part of the pro, you know, one of the solutions to this problem is to assess it and to start with um, with a start uh, engage board members in assessment of, of the board's effectiveness in different areas. But in this area, there's just three items, which is uh, the board seems confused about its role in fundraising for the organization and they either agree or disagree to various levels on this. The board has not approved an overall strategy for fundraising, and the board has problems engaging in fundraising. So those are the three items. And uh, here they are from most to least problematic. And uh, the most problematic of these three, they all fall within the area of being problematic, but the most problematic is uh, or tend to uh, members agree with these statements, I should say, the board's role in fundraising, the, the board has problems engaging in it. And that sort of falls, you know, within the examples um, provided, whether the board is uncomfortable or there's tensions in it, it's not really sure, you know, it seems apprehensive. Um, so, but then, then, you know, not, not far behind is not having a strategy, a fundraising strategy, and then um, confusion about that, the role in the organization. So why, you know, in terms of, you know, why, why, are, why do these challenges persist? So there are a number of explanations. And so we'll just kind of go through some of them. And then I'm going to try to pull them all together around how to address this. So the criteria, this isn't part of um, board recruitment criteria and selecting members who have these capabilities. So that's one possible explanation. Another is that when we bring people on um, to the board that they're not um, aware of what the board's um, role is in fundraising or the board's expectations around, it's not clear. And then, um, or uh, it could be that when maybe they are and they bring them on, but there's no orientation and training of new board members um, in this area so that they do, do develop that capability. They do feel more comfortable and develop in the role. Um, or there's just simply a lack of awareness of the range of roles um, and responsibilities that the board could have. Like Margaret, this sort of might be, fall in your area where there could be some brainstorming around this. 
And, um, you know, part of the checkup, and I know, I, I know that you probably are going to be doing one soon, that um, when the, when those, you know, when the discussion happens around and this surfaces, the, this is something where there could be a structured um, engagement of the board around if this becomes like one of those salient issues or priorities. Um, lack of leadership within the board uh, to help members understand or help the board understand the, its fundraising role and activities. So we know that leadership makes a difference and um, in helping paint the picture of this and you know moving the board along. Or again, going back to lack of a, an overall strategy uh, for fundraising for the organization and how the board fits into that especially if the organization has professionalized with fundraisers and fund development officers, you know, what's the board's responsibility in relation to those people? And how does that overall capability, as I mentioned earlier, they all add capability to the organization. The more capabilities, the more effective and successful the organization will be. That's the hypothesis. There could be confusion or differences or tensions, as was mentioned, between what the board's understanding of its role is and those held by management and the CEO and those and those fund development officers. And we see that um, we see that um, you know, sort of like parallel universes they're operating in. It's how to you know strategically build that relationship. Uh, so everyone is on the same page. So we kind of get to, well, okay, we have some, some theories about why this happens. We know it's really important. How do we fix this? What's, what's the treatment and um, what can boards do? So I'm going to draw here and start, with, just have about three steps. And the first one is there's no one best way. And that's sort of the answer for all of these challenges. It has to, it has to fit the context. You know, and organizations are at different stages of development and professionalization. So what works for one, and they have different capabilities. And we saw all of those different factors associated with them. But, but knowing that and the best place to start Using the running example, Margaret, the, the run you had, is you start, I'm training for the Boston Marathon right now, you start where you are. Wherever you are is where you start, not where your, your friend is or where you think you need to be. You have to start where you are. So do you know where you are? So, you know, using assessments, whatever they may be, um, uh, to surface those issues and then to talk about them. Those are the two critical first steps. And really in that discussion, you know, why do you, we think these exist here? And those are all the, you know, I gave some examples of reasons, but you may come up with others. And what factors contribute to them? You know, and, and we heard some, you know, maybe the the you know depending on where your charity is located if you receive all your funding it's guaranteed you know from the government or however 
that's going to depend, you know, be one factor is the need for resources. Um, but even I will say in Ireland, and I'm going to play, um, I'm going to play a video, hopefully it will work. But uh, one of the charities that really focused on this because they received most of their funding from government, but they also have members, membership fees, but they really discussed this. And then they decided that actually they did have a need to develop resources and they did develop, um, engage in some business development and resource development and came up with a whole um, a set of strategies and discretionary income that left them less dependent on those other resources and the regulations that are attached to them. Um, the availability of fundraisers, the capability of staff, and the culture of the board and organization around giving. Now, I know um, in Canada the, and in Ireland, it's fair, fairly similar that there's a culture that you give of your time and not your money, but in the United States, you either give or get off your board. And so it depends right? It depends where you're located and it depends around the culture. But a culture, board culture and attitudes around giving, you know, the example of um, the tension um, uh, between asking donors to also pay for rent. You know, in that example, we had that there's a, a tension or there's around that we can't ask for too much. Just gonna let someone else in. So, so this is sort of where the beginning starts with who you are, where you're at, doing the surfacing these issues and talking about them. Now, in the book, another interesting exercise. The second step could be determining what possible roles, um, and the board could play, and what responsibilities. Um, for different responsibilities and fundraising. So um, again, there's not a set that's going to apply to all boards, but you can see that the roles can be played out at three levels with the board as a whole, a committee of the board, and board individual board members. So in responsibilities, it can be from ideation or developing strategy. Margaret, you know, where you were talking about imagining all the different brainstorming ways that the board could evolve, be involved, or board members and um, or and or committees, from developing strategy all the way to approving strategy, and then whether the board gets involved in implementing it, and of course evaluating. And we know that not all boards, the boards can delegate a lot of responsibilities, but there are some they can't delegate and that's approving strategies and evaluating them. So those are things that boards must do. And the other ones, the boards can get involved and, um, and maybe not the whole of board, maybe a committee of the board, and of course, then individual board members, depending on, you know, their skill sets and whatnot, and depending on what the strategy is. So that's just um, 
something to look at. I'm going to present now um, this third step, and then I'm going to show you within that table what changes boards have made in response to this, who have done, who have gone through the, this. So around deciding change, identifying the competencies that board members should have in this area, recruiting them uh, for fundraising roles, whatever roles the board has decided it wants to take on, having the orientation and training and development in this area. And at the committee level, um, you know, if the committees are established, having terms of reference and uh, for that group and clear roles and accountabilities for it and how it fits with the board and with um, and staff. All right, let's hear. Tell and now, just give me a hand up if you when I start play if you can hear this. Let's hear how MS Ireland did with this. With the responsibility of board members in relation to fundraising, um, that was that was mentioned as as you can't hear it. It seemed to get kind of garbled as it went on. As it stopped, um, I'll send this out to you this presentation and then you can listen to it but it really is a good clip about it they talk about their issues the challenges they had and they talk about what they did about them and um so i think it's a good example and you could even if you were going to address this this might be something you would you could send out to your board ahead of time if this was one of the topics they could actually um hear this example. I think it's a really good example. So just hang on. All right, I'll just try to move on here. All right, okay. So what did all boards do? Um, in looking at impacts, changes, actual changes boards made um, in the area of fundraising, I've tried to organize them. This is not all of them. There's so many changes that they've made, but you can see they actually align around those capabilities, um, those determinants around having clear um, structures and processes around this. Um, at the board member recruited an actual director for resource development. They um, created a, they renewed or re, um, re-established their foundation board that they once had created um, fundraising committees or finance committee and at the board member level, engage board members in, in some activity. So here's an example of board members actually presented at local service organizations. That's something those board members felt comfortable doing, talking about the mission, talking about the um what the impact the organization has and and i um associating that with the ask so it's not just asking it's really promoting and presenting um, um setting board expectations lots of changes in this area from clearly defined responsibilities 
and roles and relate in relation to the management function and um, terms of references for committees, use of committee, the committee to support staff uh, uh, in this area, and then de really defining contributions, levels of giving, um, either of time or money, um, how much engagement was required, how to encourage donations, networking, approaching donors, all of those kinds of changes. At the policy side, establishing policy around it, development and giving programs and resource development strategies to creating task forces and fund development programs and planning to idea generation that would lead to policy, strategy development, and um, the role of board members in fundraising. So utilizing the strength of your bench to help um, develop in that area where certain board members may have some significant contributions to then areas around development of the board in this area. Going back to what Margaret said, I think this is really interesting. What's the history of the board? right, in giving, how has that changed over time and going back to that history and, you know, bringing it back to life, so to speak, to connect the board to, to the mission and, um, and, and then committees planning and doing a lot of that on behalf of the board and then training. So these are actual changes that boards have made in response. And these are some of the uh, words that they used. And you can see the larger the word, the more often, the higher the frequency that these changes were mentioned in our impact assessment. So you can see there have been a lot of changes in the area of fundraising. When you think about where does fundraising change fit in terms of all of the dimensions that are assessed in the checkup, it's actually number four. So um, we see the most changes board makes around its governance role and responsibilities, followed by um, engagement in performance assessment, its role around performance assessment, planning, and then fundraising. And the interesting, those are the four um, dimensions that are associated with governance. And the last five are around um, factors that affect how board how boards um, engage in the governance function. So that's all uh, that I had. Um.